0: today, I'm excited. I am like ready to preach. Are you ready to listen? (laughs) Amen. Okay. Hangry. Do you know this word? I'm going to introduce you to this word. In a moment. But first, we're going to read God's word. So I know you've been standing a lot, but in honor of God's word, would you stand one more time so that we might go to the Lord's word together? We're going to be in John 15, verses 1 through 8. We're going to be shaped and formed by God's word today. You can follow along on the screen. Hear the word of our Lord Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. The word of our Lord. You can be seated. So, church, you'll learn this about me. I really enjoy eating. The Lord has blessed me with a good metabolism, I suppose, but I love food. But the bad side of this is that I am also the queen of getting hangry. Let me explain what I mean. If I'm not careful, if I get too hungry, angry comes in really quickly. Unfortunately, I think my office friends can already testify to this because I'm pretty sure this week everybody was talking, and I said, okay, everybody stop. Mark, we've got to figure out what we're doing for lunch, like right now. (laughs) Amen? It happened. (laughs) So I know a little bit about hungry. hangry. This is actually a new word, and it's in the dictionary now. Merriam-Webster defined hangry like this. Irritable or angry because of hunger. Are there any testimonies out there that you can relate, amen? Yes, yes. The worst hangry I ever remember is when I was a kid and at the time we were at my favorite place. You guys are either gonna agree or think I'm crazy, but Silver Dollar City is one of my favorite places on the planet. Now, when I was a kid, and my parents were smart, we would take a cooler, and they would make us eat ham sandwiches in the car. You know what I mean? And so this was one of those times that we went to Silver Dollar City, and we were like, we are not spending money on food, because it's expensive. And I was kind of being a brat, so I didn't eat And then I had to walk around Silver Dollar City with all that blessed goodness being cooked all around me. And I became so hungry, and as a result, so angry that I didn't even enjoy the day at Silver Dollar City. Because you know, when you walk past one of those skillets or a funnel cake, I mean, y'all, they know what they're doing. You see, church, I think most Christians spend their lives in Christ hangry. I think most people who claim to follow Jesus spend most of our lives spiritually hangry. And I've defined my own definition for this concept of being spiritually hangry this way. Spiritually starved and internally angry as a result. I think many of us are spiritually hangry or have been in seasons where we can testify to being so. To being spiritually hungry in such a way that it impacts who we are. Scripture talks about this. There are principles all throughout God's word for staying spiritually full and nourished. So before I even really start, I want to invite you to do a little bit of self-reflection with me today. Are you spiritually hangry? Are you spiritually hangry? And maybe you're like, I'm not even really sure. Maybe it's hard to tell. I think, honestly, sometimes we don't even notice it. It's interesting, when, I, when I'm not sure of my hangry level, but I can tell some spiritual hanger coming on, there's a set of scriptures that I find really meaningful. I think of Paul's words about the fruit of the Spirit. He said this in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 23, and I think it talks to us about being hangry. Hear the word of our Lord. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things hear the word of our Lord when I think of these verses from Paul I think about how when I'm physically hangry when I am physically hungry and I get poked anger comes out you know what I mean if I'm hungry and then you mess with me it can be ugly Similarly, yuck comes out of us when we're spiritually hangry. That's what Paul is saying. When our lives are dictated by the spirit of the world, what happens is the yuck that follows. But when we are spiritually filled by the fruit of the spirit, good comes out when we're poked. (laughs) The passage we're focusing on this week really has this remedy for spiritual hunger. So if you're hungry today, spiritually, let's lean into God's word, amen? So as we chew on John 15 together, ha, 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 we're going to think about three questions together here's the first really important question this is where we all have to start are you grafted in that's where jesus starts in this image that he's using is are you grafted in this is where all of us start When we become believers or followers of the way of Jesus, when we invite Christ to be Lord and King of our life, we are grafted into the vine, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus frequently used these farming metaphors because it really spoke into that culture that he was teaching. I have a brown thumb. I try to have a green thumb. It really varies based on the day and the week, what color my thumb is. But I knew nothing about the grafting process. Now I feel fairly educated after a Google search. But I wanted to share a quick video with you of the grafting process, and I'm going to give some very helpful, I'm sure, commentary. So, cue the video. So, you see, there's a really healthy branch. Look how healthy it is. It's like got health just coming out. And I can't help, as the gardener is cutting here, I'm thinking of Jesus on the cross and how he bled. But how healthy that true vine is. This gardener has very clean fingernails for being a gardener. (laughs) Then he has this fresh baby branch and it's placed in the vine securely so that it can grow healthy. And strong now what would happen church if we went in and took that fresh baby branch out what would happen he would die right give it a few days and that beautiful green baby branch would be brown And there would be no life left in it. But notice how diligently and carefully the gardener tends to this baby branch. Oh, we had more, but that's plenty. No, we're good. We're good. You guys get it, right? That's grafting. That's grafting. So it's with this image. That we think about what, what Jesus is referencing in this concept of being grafted in. Like we said, if that new baby branch were taken out of the source, it would become dead very quickly. So before these words from Jesus can even really be applicable to us today, we have to be grafted in. The truth is we're born severed from the vine because of sin. We are born disconnected from that life source because of sin. So we must be grafted in to Jesus Christ through the gracious gift of salvation. Look back at verse 1 with me. This is John 15 verse 1. Jesus said this, I, Jesus, am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. Process that a little bit with me. This is Jesus teaching. And he says, I am the true grapevine. I am the source. I am where you get your life from. And then Jesus tells us that God is responsible for caring for the garden. So Jesus is our source, our nourishment, the one who gives life. And God is the one who sets our standard of care. It's connected if we go on to John chapter 15 verse 4. Let's read this as well. Jesus said, remain, say that word out loud, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now, we're going to focus on that first use of the word remain, the one that's in green up there, because there's something important here. We're going to do another biblical language nuance this morning. This is from a commentary, as I was studying. In John chapter 15, verse 4, the Greek word for remain or abide, as some translates say, is an imperative It is a constative. It encompasses the entire act of abiding, and it views the act of abiding as a single event. So what what in the world does that mean? Well, when Christ used that Greek word, abide, he was talking about one singular event. And church, I think he was meaning the moment that we choose to be grafted into the true vine. Why do I say that? Well, later, we're going to see a different use of the Greek word abide or remain, and that use is present tense, and it's ongoing, so it's representing our daily walk with God. But here, in this this first spot where Jesus calls us to remain or abide in him, it's a form of the word that I think refers to this moment when we choose to be grafted in. It's interesting when you dig into the nuances of language, what you can discover. So it it indicates this moment of grafting in when we join in union with the true vine, Jesus Christ. So that's the first important question today, church. Are you grafted in? Have you made that decision to let your life be tethered to the true grapevine? The next question is important as well. The second question for us to ponder together as we chew on John 15 are you staying connected? Would you say that out loud with me? Are you staying connected? You know, the truth is, church, so many of us only eat spiritually once a week. If we're lucky, right? We're only eating spiritually once a week when we come to church. And that's if we're faithful, regular church attenders. You know what I mean? Think about that in a human sense. For a person who were to eat one time a week, what would happen? that person would be severely malnourished. Let's think about plants. A plant that is malnourished will not produce fruit. It can't. Or any fruit that it does produce probably isn't worth enjoying. So, similarly, when we don't stay connected, we too become like that plant that is no longer connected to the vine we cannot bear fruit so as we go on and we look back at the text, the word for abide that we're going to see now is this present tense use of the word. It's a present continuous axis, something we do now and we continue to do daily. We're going to go to verse 3 to see where this, verse is, this word is used. I think this gives us clues on what it looks like to stay connected. Jesus said this, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. I think this hints at what happens when we stay connected. When we stay connected, we are pruned and purified through the work of Christ in our lives. I think of a time I was living by myself in this duplex in Missouri, and my mom came over. And I had this hideous rose bush in my backyard. And I was like, mom, my mom's a gardener. I'm like, mom, let's just get rid of it and get something else. Of course, my mom, the gardener, is like, oh, no. You know, so she goes whacking at it. You know what I mean? And that poor rosebush went from this hideous monstrosity that I knew was deader than a doornail to this little bitty nub. And I was like, mother, What? What did you do? It looks worse now, right? I thought she'd ruined it. But, church, tell me what happened. That rose bush, give it a few weeks, was gorgeous. Suddenly, it was blooming, it was producing fruit after she had hacked it all the way down to nothing. Look, look at verses 4 and 5 together with me. This is that second use of the word that I was talking about. So this is John 15 verses 4 through 5. It says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So do you see the two uses of remain there? Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So think about that rose bush again with me. Those branches that we cut off, they might have had a bloom or two on them, right? There might have been like one rose. I think I saw Pastor Kevin in here. He really gets this wherever Pastor Kevin, I saw him. Anyways, when you cut a branch off, those flowers are going to linger for a little bit, right? For a little bit, it can pretend like it's fine. But after a while, no matter how much water I put it in, no matter how much rose food I put in that water, church, what happens? What happens? Yes, thank you. I'm not preaching on my own today. It withers and it dies. The poor thing is hangry. Amen? Church, this is us when we are apart from the grapevine. When we are no longer connected to the vine, we can be saved and secure and we can be hangry. So spiritually hangry that we begin to not even look like the vine that we're connected to anymore. Look at verse Seven with me. This is John 15, verse 7. I want to make a joke here, but I'm not going to. am just saying it out loud. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, this is not Jesus saying he is our genie in a bottle, but it's full of biblical principles and implications for our journey with Jesus. Jesus is teaching his disciples that if they will stay connected to their power source, to Jesus, they will be capable of so much. Because they are connected To the power source. You see, the beauty of staying connected to the vine is that we become more and more and more like the vine over time. When you graft a little branch in for a while, it looks like that awkward little branch hanging out on the side, you know what I'm saying? But eventually, as the tree grows and they meld together, suddenly you don't even know which one was that tiny little grafted in branch anymore. Because it looks just like the source. And isn't that such a picture of God's very best for us? For us as followers of Christ, this means that when we ask God for things, because we are tethered to the vine, the things that we ask for are things that honor and please the heart of God because we are in tune with the heart of God because we are connected to the vine. And so in a sense, we can ask for whatever we want, and Christ hears our prayers and answers. Does that make sense? He's not our genie in the bottle. We're so connected to who Christ is that our hearts beat as one. So are you staying connected? I could do a whole series on the practicals of staying connected, But clinging to God's word, to prayer, to worship are some of those daily things that help us stay connected. And you know, God never asked us to stay connected alone. Community groups, that's why we have them. That's why we believe in doing life together in small groups. Their whole goal is aiming at building a smaller, together community that helps us stay connected to the vine. So again, if you're not in a community group, grab a paper in the lobby on your way out. You know, I have this frequent conversation as a pastor with people Unfortunately, this happens far too often, but someone will come to me. It hasn't happened here yet. Someone will come to me and they'll say, I'm just not being fed. I go to church and I just am not being fed. I'm not getting anything out of church. Imagine with me, church. You have a 13-year-old child, and you say, it's dinner time, and your 13-year-old, who is perfectly healthy and doesn't have developmental issues, pulls up a high chair and waits for you to spoon-feed him or her. What would you do? Kid, feed yourself, right? It is not the church's job to feed you. If we would all feed ourselves daily, church would suddenly become a place of joy and encouragement. But instead, we come hangry and we think that the church exists to serve us selfishly. Let me just be real humble and admit something. I cannot in one sermon make up for spiritual malnourishment. I can't. I am not that good, and no pastor is. If you are disconnected from the vine, there is nothing I can say or do on a Sunday morning to help you not be spiritually malnourished. You know, Paul encountered this in the early church. We're not the only ones, so just take a deep breath and sigh, because It's not just us, okay? Paul had the same problem in Corinth. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. He said this, Dear brothers and sisters, When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. The word of our Lord. So the early church had the same struggle. I think they were relying on the organization of church to do all their spoon feeding and Paul is saying, come on y'all, we have better in store for us. So like I said, I could talk for several weeks about the practicals of what it looks like to keep yourself from becoming spiritually malnourished, those daily rhythms that help us. But let me say this, if you're frustrated with daily rhythms, if you feel spiritually hangry and you don't know where to start, call me, email me, I would love to sit down and talk with you and think through help you brainstorm what it might look like to establish some rhythms in your life that could help you. Also c- connect with a community group. That would be a good choice. I want to give you one really easy resource that is kind of plug and play that I can stand behind if you want to add something to your daily rhythm. Uh, There's an app called Lectio365. Their whole mission is to be a free daily devotional app that helps you pray the Bible every day. I use this with my staff. I personally love it. And it's a great thing that you can just play in the morning. They have a family version for kids. Look it up. It's a great resource. But are you staying connected? Are you doing things in your life like that tape that the gardener used to make sure that that little baby vine was connected to its life source? Are you doing those rhythms in your life that are like that tape holding you tethered to the vine? Third and final question, are you ready for it? (laughs) They're ready, okay. After we reflect on, are you grafted in? Are you staying connected? We have to ask ourselves this. Are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Jesus is pretty clear that if you are grafted in and you are remaining connected, you will bear fruit. That actually makes me really excited. I love that because it's like a promise that I love. It's hope-filled in every way. Let's look back at the passage and learn a little bit about bearing fruit. This is John 15 verses 1 through 2 again. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He's pruning, right? and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. That's the principle, right? He prunes us so that we will keep producing fruit. Here we see that this pruning process is really so good for us. The good, good father, who is a wonderful gardener, knows when and how to prune our lives. He knows when he needs to step in And remove impurities and sin. I can never quite figure out when I'm supposed to like pluck something off of a rose bush. It's just too, goes right over my head. I don't get it. God is not like that, y'all. He knows exactly when to come in and prune in his gracious way. Though it can be painful at the time, he knows that the result will be an even healthier branch that produces more vibrant fruit. But let me say this. We're talking about bearing fruit. It's not just about the fruit that we produce. Because I don't know about you, I can be um, performance-driven in that, like, I feel like God loves me only when I produce good fruit. Anybody relate to that? And so I have to remind myself that it's not just about me bearing fruit. Have you ever seen a sad plant? Come on a sad plant that is so malnourished that it looks like it's in pain. If you need an example, come to my house. I will show you. The pruning, the bearing fruit, means that we are living our very best life too. So not only is it about bearing fruit, it's about God's best for us. Let's jump to John chapter 15 verse 5. Jesus said this, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, he says it again, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a promise that we can cling to, that if we will remain in him, we will produce fruit. I love this because it's a reminder that producing fruit is not a work, a task that I do. It's not another thing that I add to my to-do list to make sure that I am producing fruit. It's actually a part of my natural design when I am deeply connected to my life source. You know what I'm saying? An apple tree doesn't have to work really hard at producing apples. It's just who it is. And y'all, when we are connected to the true grapevine, we don't have to work really hard at producing the fruit of the Spirit because it is who we are. But we have to be connected to the life source. And God's guarantee is that we will produce fruit. As we read on, this pruning analogy also gives us a picture of life separated from God. But there's hope even in that message. John chapter 15, verses 6 through 8. Jesus said, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So again, Jesus gives us a parameter there. My true disciples are known by their fruit. So are you bearing fruit? Are you in a season where you're spiritually hangry and the things that are coming out of you when life gets hard is anger Jealousy, quarreling, bitterness. Or are you finding that you actually are connected to the vine, and so more often than not, when life gets hard, you're tethered to your life source, and so what comes out is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You know, none of us are are perfect fruit bearers. But when I think about that, I think about more often than not is my fruit yummy? Or is it fruit that ain't nobody wants to eat? Because my hope is that more time is seen in my life where that good fruit is coming out because my connection to the vine is good. So Paul in Galatians gives us this good metric of fruit fruit bearing. The fruit of the world versus the fruit of the Spirit. I want to remind you, vines don't work at producing grapes. They just do. It's who they are. And so when we stay connected, producing the fruit of the Spirit is natural. Because it is who we are. Jesus is the true vine, but the sad reality, church, is that we graft ourselves into a lot of other things in life. Think about the other things we can be grafted into for a moment. When our life source is of the world, we produce worldly fruit, fruit that makes life really challenging. When our life source is the true grapevine, Jesus Christ, we produce good fruit. And the beauty of this good fruit is that it's fruit that is good for us and for others. So what fruit are you bearing? Is it sour or is it sweet? My hope is today that we might use those questions to guide us into sincere reflection. Are you grafted in? Are you staying connected? And are you bearing fruit that is good for you and good for others? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and prepare to lead us into a time of reflection. And I'll go back to our very first question. Are you spiritually hangry? Are you in a season where you're listening to these words of Paul and you're saying, oh yeah, I spend more time with the spirit of the world, the fruit of the world coming out of me than the fruit of the spirit. That's probably a good indication that you're in a season of spiritual hangar. And can I just encourage you, you don't have to fix that on your own. We've all been there. I've been there as a pastor. Seasons where I'm leading the church and I am so spiritually hangry, but together as the people of God, we get to journey together, helping one another to stay connected to the vine and helping each other bear the fruit of the spirit by going on the journey together. So, are you spiritually hangry? And if your answer is yes. What are we going to do about it? How can we as the church come alongside you on your journey? Together, we stay connected to the vine, following the way of Jesus, staying nourished and bearing good fruit for the good of ourselves and for the good of others.